Glory to God. Now, I do have something on my heart for this morning. It is a wonderful thing, too. You know, over the last several times that I've spoken and I've shared some things, I can't get away from one subject because it is so vital to me. Um, it is something that I can't do without. I do it, and I do it now almost by... How many Bibles can I fit up here? Let's see. I do it almost by rote because I have to have it nowadays. I can't... Um, Make it through a day without it. And um, I've taught about it, I guess, every time that I've taught lately. And it is the Holy Spirit. And um, so the title of my message this morning is Faith for Work. Faith for Work. And so I want to read you a scripture this morning. And then I, I don't want you to get sidetracked by the first part of it, I want you to keep in mind about what we're talking about, and um, then you'll understand it. Uh, Acts 6, 1. Y'all all comfortable? All right. Father, we just come to you this morning, and we just ask you to be with us this morning. We just ask you for your utterance, your grace, your ability. I ask you to make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, that I would speak your word with boldness and all the things that we would need to say, Father, that would help us the most, Father, in our daily walk with you would come out today, Father. I just thank you that you're with us in everything we say and everything we do, and that you make every person in this place have ears to hear the things that you would make them to hear, Father, and that that they would be quickened on the inside and hear it the way you would have them to hear it and they'd receive it the way you would have them to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Acts 6.1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring among the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report. Now, the next part's what I want you to get. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, shocker and faint, that anything would please a whole multitude. How long's that been? Maybe since then that that happened. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And Philip, and what a weird name, Prochorius, and Nicanor, and Timian, and Parmesanus, and what's some names, yeah. And Nicholas, and the proselyte of Antioch. And I'm glad that's not my names. Phyllis is hard enough for most people. The NIV says it like this in verse 3. You who are known to be. You who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. I like that. I like that. Why didn't they just say, go pick us up seven people. 
because we're going to start spending some time in the Word and prayer and go pick out seven people that we know and they're going to serve the tables and they're going to minister to these widows and we're going to do this. What difference did it make that they were full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost? What difference did it make? Dave, y'all move this table back here so everybody can see it real good. What difference did it make that they were full? Everybody say full. Full. Of the Holy Ghost. To wait tables. Now you could have understood it if they said we need to go and get full of the Holy Ghost. Right? Pick out seven people to go wait tables. Anybody will do. Because we need to go and get full of the Holy Ghost. But that's not what it said. It said, pick out seven people who are known to be full of the Holy Ghost. To wait tables. Does it matter? Now again, I'm not making fun of any religion. I'm not making fun of anything. I'm just telling you my experiences. That's all I know. I grew up of a certain denomination that all I knew about the Holy Spirit, like Keith said, is I knew he was over here somewhere. (laughs) That's all I knew about him. And I dare say that charismatic... Tongue-talking, people that call themselves full of the Holy Spirit don't know much more. Because I'm around a lot of them. And if they do know much more, they're not yielded to it much more. Now let me explain to you with this illustration, just a little bit about what I'm talking about. Now, say you live your life this way, and you wake up in the morning, and I don't eat breakfast ever, and I get in trouble for it on a regular basis with my husband because he says that's your main meal of the day, but most of you in here would probably agree and don't send me cards and letters about it. (laughs) Dave will read them. Say I got up in the morning and I grabbed this dry piece of toast and I ate it. 
and I went out the door. Am I full of breakfast? How long will that bite of toast last me? If I pray, if I pray, Father God, help me today. And I run out the door. About that long. Am I full of the Holy Ghost? And I don't eat anymore and I don't pray anymore until the next day. And I have a very full day. Am I full? Let's go on. All right. Romans 12. Verse 3. I just want you to get the very last phrase of that. It says, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an every. So, and then now look at him and say, so you have faith. So that means every person in this room has a measure of faith. Every person. God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. He didn't leave anybody out. Every man in this room has a measure of faith. Not one person is left out. Not a big person, little person, old person, young person, smart person, dumb person, analytical person, unanalytical person. Every person has faith. Say, I have faith. faith. Okay? 2 Corinthians 10, 15. Now, this is where we're going to get into some interesting stuff. Not boasting... Of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we should be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Huh? Did y'all get that? Kind of a bit confusing. Let's read it from the New Living. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Hmm. A little easier to understand. 
Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places beyond you where no one else is working. Then there'll be no question of our boasting about the work done in someone else's territory. Do you get it? Okay, let me break it down for you in ABCs. You're on the job. This is talking about preaching, but it applies to your everyday work. You're on the job. And have you ever seen somebody that just looks straight ahead? It's not you, I know. Take credit for someone else's work. Does it ever happen in the world? You ever seen somebody come up with some really good idea? How many shows have you seen on TV that's that way? Somebody takes credit for somebody else's job and they get the big promotion and they stab them in the back and all the other things. You know, happens all the time. Why does that happen? It just told us. Because they don't have the faith to do it for themselves. It says, nor do we boast or claim credit for work that someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow. So that the boundaries of your work will be extended. Why do people need to take credit for someone else's work? Because they do not have the faith to do it or get better themselves. Now... It's the world's way of doing things. But we are not supposed to be the same as the world. We are supposed to be able to differ from the world. So when we get saved, we should be able to have a difference between the way we do things and the way somebody else does things. How many of you know Philippians and how many of you have it marked in your Bible with highlights and stars? And and if you turn to that page, you know what I'm talking about just by saying Philippians. A couple of you. Thirteen. Okay. Turn there. Put it up on the screen. Everybody needs to see it if they haven't seen it. It says, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do them. I can do all things through Christ who works in me and strengthens me. 
I don't have to steal somebody else's glory because God can do it for me. I don't have to take somebody else's thunder. I don't have to put somebody else down and get their glory. God will do it for me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, you'll like this one even better. Look at the Amplified. Read it with me. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now, why should you have need of taking somebody's credit with a scripture verse like that? We're going to get into it. Look at Exodus 36. We're going to get real practical here in a minute. I just want to lay a foundation for you just for a minute. Exodus 36, verse 1. Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man, in whom who? In whom who? I can't hear you. In whom who? Put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all what? God showed him how to do what? To work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary. God put it in them to know how to do all manner of work. What does all mean? Some things. Part of the things. Now, I know y'all may not have grown up the way I grew up. And I think kids today... Some kids. Let me word that properly so I don't get cards and letters that Dave's got to read. Um, Some kids today are growing up way too soft. If something needed to be done when I was growing up, it wasn't a question of you saying, I don't know how. The response would be, and you'll never learn how sitting there on your... Get up. Get to it. I mean, 
I never, it was never a, I can't do it. I can't. Can't never could do nothing. That just wasn't in our vocabulary. I know my dad got hurt in an accident. My mom had to go to work. And so my dad was home with us. And it wasn't it for a few years. And, and it was like, then we moved to a farm. And I was a city girl. And my dad had three girls. So guess who got to be the boy? He'd say, get on that tractor and go down there and bush hog that lower 40. Dad, I've never driven a tractor. You'll figure it out. We need supper. Go down there and set them lines and catch us some fish and skin them and get them back in the house and cook supper. Dad, I don't know how to do that. Well, Kate never could. Get up off your beam. Go down there and do it. Get in there and cook supper. I don't know how to cook. Well, you'll learn. Get in there. It was no such thing as you can't. I didn't know that word. When I was 14, I went to work at a bakery. And I worked from 6.30 in the morning till 6.30 at night on Saturdays and then in the afternoons after school. Now, I've worked since I can remember. And then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And God thought he was funny. It was like, you're going to learn this one way or another. The first job that I had was doing bookkeeping. I don't know bookkeeping or accounting. I've never done bookkeeping or accounting. And it's like I got the world's... All my training was with the world's most wonderful people. I look back now and I see that they were some of the world's best people to train me. I didn't think so at the time. And you'll see why. I've told this story before. But I want you to understand it. I'd go to work... And it was when, how many of you remember those old-timey ledger sheets where you wrote the vendor's name over here and then you had 62 things across here and you had to balance them all the way down, you know, and they were about this long and about this wide. And it took you all day to fill one of those out and then balance it. Well, I, she told me what she wanted done and I made the mistake of not listening. She wanted her numbers the character numbers made the sixes with the loop this big and the nines with the loop this big and i didn't listen now soft is what i call our kids today and i mean that because when i got done with that i was probably 17 years old at the time keith and i had just gotten married i'd just gotten filled with the holy ghost She took that paper and she said, I told you the way that I wanted this. And she shredded it into little shreds. She said, I'm going home. Everybody else is going home. Get it redone. What would most 17-year-old kids do then? I don't have to have this job and they're out the door. 
and go home to mama and daddy and mama and daddy support them. And feel sorry for them. Well, she was mean. And take up for the child. And you would be wrong as a parent. Don't send the cards and letters. You're doing your children no favors by doing that. That was my first job. My second job, they closed down that dealership. Well, so my second job, I went to work as a lab technician. Now, a lab technician is supposed to have certain skills. Like they're supposed to know how to operate a needle and draw blood. Correct? So I would hunt my husband down and chase it, go in the front door and he'd run out the back door. (laughs) He never once let me do it on him. I'd say, but I have to practice. Not on me, you don't. (laughs) I'd go in the front door, he'd go out the back one. Never once. But I got proficient at it. To the point where I surpassed the other girl that had been there for years. I remember one day, my large, I mean extremely large lady was there and she couldn't get blood on her and it was, she was the one on call and she called me and I wound up having to get it out from the bottom of her foot we had to run CBCs WBCs hematocrats hemoglobins stools cultures we had to do it all now I didn't have any skill do you think that could intimidate you just a wee bit But I didn't refuse to take the job based on that. Because what did this say? God can teach you all manner of things. But what it takes is you having faith to take that step. And you may not know anything about it. But it takes you believing that God will show you and help you know exactly what to do and how to get it done. And that he will anoint you and anoint your hands and teach you what you need to be taught to get it done. Now, my next job was just as interesting. I went from there to a doctor's office where I was required to x-ray. Now, you should have some skill to x-ray. The girl that was supposed to train me went into labor three weeks early. 
So I had one day of training. I didn't go crying to my boss and say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know that I've ever done that. I don't know that I've ever gone to anyone and said, I can't do it. I can't. I don't know how. It's too much for me. I can't. I gotta go home and rest. (laughs) I'm overwhelmed. Never. And at the same time is when computers came out. And he decided we were to have one. And he could care less about it. And I was to learn it. And he wasn't going to pay anybody to teach me to learn it. Right? I was to learn it. I think I lost the stuff on it five times. Thank God I was smart enough to back it up every day. Now, why am I telling you all this stuff? Not to make me look good, but there was one common denominator factor underlying all that stuff. What was it? Faith. Not even the Holy Spirit. There was a common denominator of faith. Believing. I am not. Phyllis Moore is not smart enough to do this. But there is one that she has got inside of her that will help her and will show her what to do if she will listen to him. He knows some things. That's not what it says. What does it say? He knows all things and knows them well. Can you confuse him to where he doesn't know what to do? Then we start traveling and doing ministry and that all goes real well. Then God says, Pastor. Okay. Start a church. Okay, with who? Does that take a step of faith when you have zero people? Faith and the Holy Spirit in your life will change your life. But you cannot leave them out. You can't come to church and come up here and get saved. And go out the door and live exactly the same way you lived before. There must be a change in your thinking. There should never be a time where you say, I don't know, I can't, it's impossible. I don't know how many things around here people told us was impossible. Somehow the next day they became possible, right? Because the Holy Ghost will show you ways of doing things that nobody else has a clue of how to do. 
But how is he able to do it? Okay, so one day has passed. And the next morning I get up. And I'm full. I've run the whole day. And I take another bite. How long is that second bite going to last me? They were to be full of the Holy Ghost to wait tables. Are you getting the picture at all? They were not to be full of the Holy Ghost to get up here and minister to people. They were to be full of the Holy Ghost to wait tables. Let's look at some more scriptures. You'll see what I'm talking about. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As every man, say every man. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an every man. Say, you're a woman, if they're a woman. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The Amplified says, As each of you, each of who? Say me. I have received a gift. Look at the next part. A particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment. But what does the next part say? Employ it, use it for one another as it benefits good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Verse 11, whoever speaks, let him do it. As one who utters the oracles of God. Whoever renders service, let him do it. As with the strength, who provides? God furnishes abundantly. Now look at the NIV. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? Verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Now, this is something I don't think that we have seen. So that in all things, God may be praised. Why would God give us these gifts and talents? Do you think what you're doing every day, who does it glorify? Hmm. Has it been? 
The Message Bible says in verse 11, If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. And he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. Encores to the end of time. Oh, yes. Did the word say we are to go a witnessing or to be a witness? How can we be a witness? Can our work glorify God? How much time do we spend working? An enormous amount, most people. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing, according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. There it comes back to. You're only going to do according to how much faith you have. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministering, our teaching on teaching, or exhorting on exhortation or giving, let him do it with simplicity, or ruling with diligence, or mercy with cheerfulness. The Amplified. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them whose gift it is, prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of whose faith? Who's his? Your own faith. Say, my faith. faith. He whose gift it is, practical service, let him give himself to serving. Who teaches, to teaching. Who exhorts, encouraging, to his exhortation. He who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberally. He who gives aid, and super uh, superintends with zeal and singleness of mind, and he who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you fit into one of these categories? That was three people. Do you fit into one of these categories? You should be doing one of these things. You should be exhorting. You should be giving. You should be teaching. You should be ministering in some way, helping or another. Whether it's on your job, whether it's here, wherever it is, you should be doing one of these things. And you should be doing them to bring God glory. The Message Bible It's a bit stout, but it is still the Message Bible. It says, let's go ahead and be what we're made to be. Without envying or pridefully comparing ourselves with one another or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. 
If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give, encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get too bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Now, should you fit into one of those categories? Absolutely. Now, in a daily routine, every person should be being led by the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says, pray without ceasing, or the Amplified, pray continually. What does that mean to most people? They don't have a clue exactly what you just did. What it means is all throughout the day. This is the way that I pray. Would you like to know? God, show me what to do. Continuously. That's prayer. I've got to make this decision. I've got to do this. Should we spend this money on this or should we wait and pay this bill with this? Do we need to start on this now or do we need to wait on this? God, show me. Do they need to do this or do they need to do this? God, show me. Does this person need to be put in this position or does this person need to be put in this position? God, show me. Continuously. I bet I do not go... No exaggeration. Five minutes without praying. That's probably an exaggeration for how long I go without praying. Now that is not being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is praying without ceasing. That is praying continuously. People have this mental thing about what prayer is. This religious, I call it, thing about what prayer is. That unless they can just sit down someplace and go, Art thou, thouest thou, dim thou, whomest thou, willest thou, mayest thou, shallest thou. Got to have some thou's in there somewhere. They're not praying. And a lot of this stuff, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, please, God, please, God. They're not praying. And it's just not so. Now, let me show you the difference. Dave, would you swap that out for me, please? Somebody help him. Jill or Karen or Dan may have to help him with the plate situation there. Now, say I ate that every day. What would my physical strength be like by the end of the week? If that's all I ate all day long. 
What would I be like physically by the end of the week? Look at me. Don't look at them. Look at me. Oh, Look at me. What would my physical strength be like by the end of the week if all I did was every morning take a bite of that toast? And I took a bite every day, though. How would I be come Friday? I took a bite of dry toast every morning, though. I did eat some. And when somebody asked me, did I eat? I could say yes. And I prayed for about the same amount of time as it took me to chew up that bite of toast. Every day. Now, what if no way in God's creation that I could eat this every morning? Put the camera on it. If you got to get a little one, come span it. I've got pancakes and bacon and eggs and sausage and ham and hash brown and grits and bananas and gravy and have no clue what that is. <laughs> and um, maybe oatmeal <laughs> and apples and frosted flakes and biscuits and some kind of looking coffee. I don't know what that is. But anyway, whatever all that is. What if I got up every morning and ate that completely? What would I be? Sick, yeah. <laughs> but I would be something else. I'd be full. And somebody said another word, nourished. Is there a difference between eating something and being full of something? Is there a difference in praying a few minutes with the Holy Spirit or praying to be full of the Holy Spirit? Did he say, find me some people that were once filled with the Holy Spirit to wait on these tables? Look at it again. Acts 6. Look at it in the NIV. Put it up there. Verse 3. Put it up, guys. Acts 6, 3, NIV. Choose seven men from among you who are what? Known, Known to be full of the Spirit. Did that say that on the day of Pentecost that they, we, we saw them get filled with the Spirit? Could they have just as easily said that? Now, what is their job going to be? Let's back up. Um, 
find the exact verse that it was in. Um, 2, back up to verse 2. Read the last phrase. That we neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to... Why do you need the Holy Spirit to wait on tables? Use that exact example. Why do you need the Holy Spirit to wait on tables? The Holy Spirit and wisdom, as it said. Can you diffuse? How many of you in here has ever waited on tables? Can it be an annoying, irritating degrading can the holy spirit i come into the restaurant And I sit down, and Mo's going to wait on me. And he's not full of the Holy Ghost. He didn't pray for the last week. He's short already because he hasn't been praying. And I'm short because I hadn't been praying. The coffee's not hot, the food's cold. What kind of situation are you going to have? But if I come in and I'm not even filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm obnoxiously rude and I tell him I got the wrong order, all these other things, But he's full of the Holy Ghost. He's prayed. He is being led in everything he says. The Holy Ghost has led him. And when he comes to the table, he comes with a smile on his face. And he knows, don't say, how's your day going? The Holy Ghost led him. (laughs) He said, this is a wonderful day. And he's on his toes with him. And the Lord directs him. It's not going to be good if you don't wait on him, right? And he makes sure their order's right. And he listens more intently. And he double checks their order in the kitchen to make sure it's right instead of just bringing it out. And he gets it right. And everything is right before it gets there. Is that going to be a better day for him? A better day for them? Instead of him not being led by the Holy Ghost and not taking the 30 seconds to check the order before it gets to them because he doesn't have the Holy Ghost and he's not full of the Holy Ghost and so he doesn't get that on the inside, check this order before you take it. How long would that have taken? To cause a scene. Not long. 
does it take the Holy Ghost to do your job? Is the Holy Ghost smart enough to keep you out of trouble? Can He make you look better than you are? Have you been letting Him? He can make you look so smart that your employer can't make it without you. I think every person in this church should be the highest paid people in their field. I don't think you should ever get the wrong product. I don't think you should ever get the wrong person, hire the wrong person. I don't think you should ever get the wrong job. I don't think you ever have to be paired with the wrong person on the job. How do you avoid those things? You get up in the morning and you don't nibble on a piece of toast. Or the night before, I'm using the morning for an example, makes no difference when you pray. But the reason Christians' lives are miserable and they're not happy is because they're dealing with the very same things that the world is dealing with. They're leaving their jobs at the end of the day and being chewed out by salespeople, their bosses, their kid managers, and you're 50 years old. They're being chewed out by people that come in that expect everything for nothing. And there's ways to avoid those things before they ever happen. Because the Holy Ghost can show you exactly what you need to do before the situation ever arises. He can have you prepared. He can say, get this contract ready. Your boss is going to come in today and these people are going to call and uh, get up early, get it ready, get to your office 30 minutes early, get this ready, and it'll be on your desk ready and you won't have to look for it for an hour and a half and you won't look disorganized. Whether you're disorganized or not, if you have that one contract, you'll look ready. Your boss never comes into the office. He's coming in today. The Holy Ghost will wake you up that morning and say, get to the office early and clean up your office. Make it spotless. Did it pay to pray that day? You betcha. He comes in and says, man, this is the cleanest office I see. Goes back to the office, give him a 30% raise. One leading of the Holy Ghost can change your total job situation. One word from you going bid a job and you say one thing that clicks inside of a person that you're bidding the job for and you word it just exactly right can make 
I just lost my mind. In you getting the job or somebody else getting the job? But it's not going to come by nibbling on a dry piece of toast every day. It's going to come by you being full of the Holy Spirit. He can make you, no matter what you look like from the natural, He can make you look great. He makes me look that way all the time. All the time. Just recently, I woke up one morning and I had to make a call on something and I didn't have a clue where these people were. And it was a real business deal and I had to deal with it. And the Holy Ghost says, get up today, just a couple of weeks ago, and call this man. I called him. He happened to be in another city in another place and happened to be with these two other people that we were talking about in that strange city, in a strange place. And all three of them were together. Makes you look real smart. I didn't have a clue. But he can make you look smart. By staying prayed up and staying listening to him. But what people have done is they've done just the opposite. Instead of doing what they know to do, They've been quick to do something else. Look with me. Matthew 7. Verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And whatever measure you meet, it will be measured back to you again. And why behold the mote that's in your brother's eye and consider not the beam that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me pull the mote out of your eye and behold not the beam that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First cast the beam out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to cast the mote out of your brother's eye. Matthew in uh, the Amplified says, Don't judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized. Do you want your boss judging and condemning and criticizing your work? I was thinking the other day, I've been making cornbread, I guess, How long? Since my daddy's nodding his head because my mama can't make it, so my daddy makes me make it for him. She's covering her face. Since I was 12 years old, probably. I do a pretty good job making cornbread most of the time. Well, the other day we came in from a trip, and I made some cornbread, and it was absolutely lousy. It was lousy. Keith ate it anyway. But I was thinking... Because he likes cornbread. I made him cornbread and butter beans and all sorts of stuff. But anyway, I was thinking then when I made that cornbread, I am so thankful that he didn't judge me according to this pan of cornbread and say I was a lousy cook. 
Have you ever been to a restaurant where the food was bad? And say, I'll never go back there because the food's bad? What if they had an off day? Their cornbread was bad that day. I'm so thankful that my husband didn't judge me. Matter of fact, the next day, I think it was, he said, can you make me some more cornbread? It turned out perfect. He wasn't near about to give up on me making him cornbread. But what people do is they leave the restaurant and they talk about it and tell how lousy it is. Maybe they just had an off day with their cornbread. And you judged them. You ever had an off day cooking anything? Huh? Judge what? What if somebody talked about you every time you made something bad? Be sad. John 7:24 is very important to me. And this is something that I want to get across to you today. Judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. What does that mean? Oftentimes around here, people will volunteer to do different things. And every volunteer application comes through me. And you say, why? Because I don't have enough to do. <laughs> no. The reason every volunteer application comes through me, and I don't mean to be ugly and I don't mean to be harsh, is because I want to judge righteous judgment. There are some people that want to help because of show and tell. Keith says, Phyllis, nobody knows what you're talking about when you say that. How many of you don't know what I'm talking about when I say that? See, that's what I thought. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Show and tell. They only want that job because someone is going to see them. And then there's other people that I'll let skip 12 jobs and I'll put them in the show and tell because they could care less if anybody ever sees them. I don't know how many times Nancy's just stood there and just shook her head at me. And she'll say, well, they don't have any clothes. I said, we'll buy them some. Well, they don't have any gas. We'll buy them some. Judge righteous judgment. Do not judge with people according to what you can see. If you judge according to what you can see, you're going to miss it. Listen to what some other translations say. The Amplified. Be honest in your judgment 
And do not decide at a glance, superficially, by appearances, but judge fairly and righteously. The NIV says, stop judging by mere appearances and make right judgment. The New Living says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. The Weymouth says, don't form superficial judgments, but form judgments that are right. And the message says, don't be nitpickers like they don't have any clothes or they don't have any money. I go more. You think I've got off track, but I haven't. Me and analytical people don't get along really well sometimes. We butt heads really a lot. Because they refuse to be led. They must figure it out up here. They have a very, very, very hard time cutting this off. And that's tough. When it makes no sense to their head, and I'm saying do it this way, because I've heard in here. We do very, very little backtracking around here. Very little. I can't remember when we backtracked on something. I remember one thing that we backtracked on, and it was because some people moved too quickly on me. You should be the same way. If you're led by this and not by this, there shouldn't be any backtracking because the Holy Ghost and God never miss it. Don't be nitpickers. Use your head and heart to discern what is right, to test what is authentically right. Can people put on a good show? What Can they put on what I call their Sunday go-to-meeting clothes? There's a lot of pride in this world. And there's a lot of people that will not do a job unless they're going to be seen. And I don't know, most people have never believed me when I said this. There's a few that have, you know, staff-wise. I would much rather be sitting in my office most of the time, never being seen by anyone, than up here. I did this to quit being rebellious to my husband and be obedient. There are people in this congregation that have assumed they wouldn't use me. Look at me. 
and you're just the very ones that we're looking for. I'll, I'll never forget there was a, a young man that we asked to usher one time. And from appearances' sake, most people would have never dreamed that he'd have turned out the way that he did. Well, there's a couple like that. And cry and cry and the honor that God bestowed on them. But you talk about faithful workers. And parking lot. There's one out in the parking lot. Y'all all know. When he first started with us, he's told his testimony standing right out here. When Don started working for us, did he even own a suit? How many of you know how faithful he is? Oh, my. If we would have gone by appearances, now he's pretty much head over the team. Faithful. You don't go by appearances. And the reason I'm spending time on this and talking to you about this, this is what I know. I'm talking to you about this because you need to know it for your own sake. Some of you are over your own businesses. Some of you are going to be, uh, Keith has prophesied it over and over again, owning more things. Don't let people come in with their smooth talk and their right words and their appearances and sell you that they are the one. Judge righteous judgment. Judge according to what you get in your spirit. Judge according to the Holy Spirit. You will not miss it that way. Some of you now are having to deal with situations in your jobs and people working for you, wondering, can you let them go? How are you going to let them go? Are they going to sue me if I let them go? Because you missed it hiring them because they said all the right things. People are very, very, very good with this nowadays. There's a lot of good con men around and women. And they know the right things to say. But you wake up in the mornings and you pray and you be led and you hire and you get associated with the right people. Judge righteous judgment. Don't get yourself hooked with the wrong people. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And we should not be hooked with the world at all in our business dealings. You can get them saved instantly. But only if God leads you that they are the one. So make righteous judgment. We'll read two more scriptures and then we'll be done. It's real important. 1 Corinthians 11. In the Amplified, we'll just read the Amplified, save some time. For if we 
searchingly examine ourselves. It's talking about judging ourselves. And detect our shortcomings. And recognize our own condition. We should not be judged. So if we examine ourselves now and realize that we are not being led by the Holy Spirit, then we'll not have to be judged later on. If Message Bible says if we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later. Isn't it easier to get something straight from the beginning? How many of you have ever hired an employee and regretted it and wish you could have not had to keep them? Oh, is it easier to not have hired them than to have to fire them? Oh, so much easier to be led from the, from the front. Colossians 3. Who do you represent when you work? What that scripture was saying. Why is it important that you be filled with the Holy Spirit? When you do your job. So that it just makes you look good? Colossians. And 3.23. And whatever you do, do it heartily. As unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord shall receive, of the Lord you shall receive the reward of inheritance. That's good, but it doesn't say it as clearly as I want it to. Colossians 3 in the Amplified. Whatever you, your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. I want to read it to you from the Message Bible. It says in verse 23, work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. Can your job get tiring? Can it get frustrating? Can it get old? What if your job, your task, is making money to give? Can it get old? We all agree that everybody has a part that they're supposed to do in those things that we talked about. They're supposed to teach. They're supposed to exhort. They're supposed to give. Every person in this room, you should look at that list. You're supposed to do one of them. It can get tiring. But God can help you to do it. There may be people in this room today that you may be like me. And God may be saying, go to work at a lab. You don't know how to draw blood. He may be saying, go to work as an executive assistant. You've never done that before. He may say, go to work as a dental technician. Go to work as a, I don't know what. But if he's telling you to do it, can he equip you to do it? What does it take for you to do it? Takes you stepping out by faith 
and daily praying in the Holy Spirit. Being full of the Holy Spirit, not just taking a little bite every day, staying full of Him. And looking to Him and not your head every day and being full of Him. I tell our people sometimes, they say, I don't know how. I say, great, then you're in perfect shape. There's no such thing around here as not knowing how. Devin came, didn't know how to run a TV department. God taught him how to run a TV department. Every person that we've got around here didn't know how to do their job. I, I don't remember hiring a person that was skilled in the area that they did. What a novel idea. Because I don't judge according to appearances. I could have hired somebody. We've had people come in here. Oh, Dave can tell you. Different ones can tell you. We've had people come in here and they come in here with all the flair and all the glory. And they say, I've got three degrees in this and I worked for this. They name big names. I worked for these people and I did this for them. And I worked for these people and I did this for them. And how long do they stay? Two weeks maybe? One week? A day? Because we did not just drop everything and bow down and say, you can have our TV department. Why would we do that? We don't know them. Why would you do that? Just because they say they have skills in an area. Or just because they say they have money. Don't mean they're going to give you none. Don't judge according to appearances. Judge righteous judgment in everything you do. In every person you get hooked with. This is for you today. Apply it. Make yourself look the very best at your job. It's so easy when you yield to the Holy Ghost for all the hard work you've been having to do at your job. You can know exactly what your boss is going to come in and do that day. And you only do those things. And you can look like you're a genius and a whiz. And that you're way ahead of them on everything. And you're super smart. When really you're not, but we'll all know the truth, but. But you get my drift. He leads you. And he will lead you if you'll let him. He can guide you, but you have to let him. Every tiny little step that you take, but you must let him. You can't forget about him. He's there inside you, but you have to remember him. All right, let's stand up.